for you. Uh, today is a really big day for many people in the room. Today is National Coffee Day. Uh, well, my name is Ben. I'm on staff with Campus Ministry, and something about me is that I do not drink coffee. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, I actually think coffee is disgusting. Wow, I'm getting some love for that comment in here. Uh, even if, like this past summer, my brother was like, dude, this is m like chocolate milk. It's like 98% chocolate milk with a little bit of like just coffee thing in there. Just try it, it's fine. And like afterwards, you know, like it's just, I just can't do coffee. But for those of you that love coffee, congratulations, it's a big day for you guys. Uh, anyway, so last week we were not here. We did not have the well last week because we had this thing called a campus praise rally. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thought that was fun. So we'll do that again sometime. Um, November, I think, when we're doing the next. Anyway, uh, welcome back to The Well here in the Cook DeWitt Center. This year at The Well, we are studying the story of the Bible. The first book, Genesis, to the last book, Revelation. The Bible is this amazing story that's comprised of many incredible stories along the way. And all these little stories connect to each other, telling one grand story. I love a good story. And I don't think I'm alone in that. People love good stories. I mean, when you get done reading a good book or you get done watching a movie, at the end you're just kind of like, man, that was so satisfying, right? You get done watching a good movie and you're like, man, I can't wait to tell somebody else about this movie because the story was so good. We love good stories. And I think the best stories are sometimes are just the crazy, ridiculous stories. Sometimes somebody even tells you a story about something that happened in their life and you're kind of like, did that really happen? Or that's impossible or that's uh, unbelievable is a phrase we use sometimes to describe some of these crazy stories. <clears throat> Excuse me. A few weeks ago, I was, um, true confession, wasting my life uh, by scrolling through Facebook and I came across this headline in my newsfeed that like stopped me from scrolling. And I had to read the headline a couple of different times. And then after reading it a couple of different times, I had to read the article, okay? A 74-year-old woman gives birth to twins. So I clicked on this thing and I read some of these words. Uh, a 74-year-old woman from southern Indi India has given birth to her first children, twin girls, possibly becoming the oldest woman ever to give birth. After years of una being unable to conceive, this woman, I cannot pronounce her name, opted for in vitro fertilization she became pregnant and delivered healthy twin girls after a three-hour labor. The doctor who delivered the babies said, based on her birth certificate, she is 74 years old. Some other news outlets, if you look it up on Google or whatever, some news outlets said she was 73. Anyway, the husband says this, we are the happiest couple on earth today. 
we have our own children. Her husband, who was overjoyed after his daughters were born, suffered a heart attack the next day and was admitted to the hospital. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I think, I'm not sure they are the happiest couple on earth. (laughs) They're probably smiling on the inside, right? Or they're just scared to death, like what in the world just happened, right? I mean, this story is just crazy. And after I read the story, I found myself throughout the next few days, like somehow it just got brought up in conversation. I don't know how this gets brought up in conversation, but it did, right? And every time I brought it up, it was followed up with, what did you just say? Or, nah, or I have so many questions. And all of those questions were valid questions. Crazy, unbelievable stories are sometimes the best stories. And the Bible is actually filled with all kinds of crazy stories as well. Uh, This is our series. This year we're talking about our story. The Bible is our story. Here's a timeline with different images or graphics of some of the stories we're going to kind of cover throughout the year. Uh, We started in the beginning in the creation with a couple of trees God brought Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden and said, of all the trees in the garden, there's, you know, you can eat of them except for this one tree from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did not listen. They plucked the fruit and sin entered the world. We talked about that several weeks ago. Last time we were here at the well, Stacy taught about Genesis chapter 12 and the story of Abram uh, being called from Uh, Ur to the land of Canaan and he is one of the patriarchs so there's three men Abraham Isaac and Jacob who are known as the patriarchs uh, in the scriptures so we're going to be looking at the patriarchs for the next couple of weeks tonight we're going to be looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac to help us fill in the gaps of the stories between the teachings we created not only this lovely timeline right here but also a reading schedule so if you want to throughout the week, all year long, here's a handful of chapters that you could read this week to help fill in the gaps between the stories that we talk about on Sunday night here at the well. If you do not have a timeline, grab one on the way out. It'd be helpful for you. And we encourage you to spend time throughout the week just reading these few chapters. Do it with your life group. Do it with your roommates uh, and talk about these stories together. We think it's really powerful to do life together in community. Also, if you miss a well and you want to know what we talked about, you can listen to these teachings online through the Campus Ministry app or iTunes or Google Play if that is of interest to you. Also, not only do we have this reading schedule and not only can you listen to the teachings online, but we also have these wonderful videos that help us know the story that we're going to talk about tonight. So go ahead and play this video. I love watching people use the gifts that God has given them. (laughs) And that is not mine, so that was a delegation to other people. So uh, anyway, two weeks ago at the well, Stacy talked about the story of Abram in Genesis chapter 12. God tells Abram to go and he goes in faith to the land of Canaan. And the Bible tells us this really important detail in Genesis chapter 11, uh, which the video alluded to, is that Sarai, his wife, was barren. Okay? So 
in a culture where the primary social unit was family. The greatest curse that a woman could know would be to have a barren womb. To be childless was economically and socially disastrous. Economically because parents had no one to support them in their old age. There's no hospice or healthcare or anything like that. And socially because there was this really big stigma with if you were unable to have children, then you must have done something wrong and God is mad at you or there's sin in your life. Or, and so the whole world was like judging you. You had no value. In fact, in the book of James, when he's talking about um, faith, he says, faith without works is useless. And that word useless can also be translated as barren. If you were a woman who was barren, you were considered to be useless. My wife, Stacy and I, um, for whatever reason, we also were unable to have our own biological children. And this is just a little bit of our story, but, you know, after years of trying and crying and praying and looking at doctors and, you know, specialists and all this kind of stuff, there's just, there were no good answers. No reason and no babies. And it was devastating and it was heartbreaking in so many ways. But when I think about the story of Abraham and Sarah, it was not just heartbreaking for them. Their entire livelihood depended on having children. So Abraham leaves as he was instructed to do in Genesis chapter 12. And he comes into the land. And then we get to this story in Genesis chapter 15. You don't have to turn there right now. We're just going to kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of talk through some of this stuff tonight. Genesis chapter 15, God promises Abraham a second time that he is going to have a son. <clears throat> and not just a son, but he said, Abraham, why don't you go outside and take a look up in the skies and look at all of the stars if you could count them, this is what your offspring is going to be like. I don't know what you mean by look at all the songs. That is really awkward. <laughs> that is, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> anyway, that was really weird. Sorry about that. But in Genesis 15, Abraham believes God and then he doubts God, and then he believes God, and then he doubts God. And there's this tension that's going on there in that story. And then in Genesis 15, there's this odd story where God says, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and they have to gather all these animals, and these animals are cut in half. Because a covenant is something that was cut in that day. And basically what God was saying to Abraham in this covenant, we don't have time to look at this story specifically tonight, but what God was saying to Abraham is like, I will hold my end of the deal. You will have a son. Trust me. And you can depend on me this much that if I don't come through with my promises, you could do the same thing to me that we just did to these animals. Trust me. You will have a son. More time goes by. 
Genesis chapter 17 comes along. And God reminds Abraham again of his promise that he will have a son. And God even changes Abram's name, actually, from Abram to Abraham, saying, you will be a father of many. Even though you're 100 years old and Sarai is 90, you will have a child. And Abraham at the time was like, yeah, but I don't really understand if this is really happening. And so he kind of took matters into his own hands. And him and Sarai had this agreement and said, well, why don't, since this is not working with the two of us, why don't you sleep with Sarai's uh, Egyptian servant, Hagar? So he does that, and then they have a son. His name is Ishmael, and, and Abraham's like, okay, so this is my son. And God's like, no, 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 that is not what I said. That was not my covenant with you. Don't take matters into your own hands. You need to trust me. You will have a son with your wife, Sarah, and his name is going to be Isaac. Turn to me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, go ahead and raise your hand. We have some people in the back that would love to hand you a Bible. Genesis 18. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Now, just stop for a second here. Just based on those couple of verses, is there any doubt that they are old? I mean, look back at those verses again. Old, well advanced in years, past age of childbearing, worn out. Old. Any, there's no like, uh, how old are they? No, they are old, okay? Uh, Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. This is the word of the Lord. I love this question. I mean, it's, it's really the question, isn't it? The question that is asked, is anything too difficult for the Lord? I realize that as we look at this story tonight of Abraham and Sarah, it's maybe a little bit weird or a little bit awkward. 
Most of you in this room are not really worried about not being able to get pregnant, or at least I hope so right now. Uh, But there are other things that you are worried about. There are other things that are causing anxiety. There are other things that are causing stress. There are other things that are causing sleeplessness. There are other things that you are just carrying. And I think we can still ask this question. Whether it's a really big thing or whether it seems like maybe a smaller thing. Still trying to figure out what your major is supposed to be? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Trying to figure out who you're going to room with and where next year already? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Are you feeling called to go to Passion or on a spring break trip or to Israel, but you have no idea how the money would ever come through? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Are you trying to figure out if God has a plan for your life or if, what is it? What is God's plan for my life? How do I figure this out? There's no way for me to ever know. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Do you have a friend or a family member who's just struggling, who's battling something physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? I would guess that every single one of us would have somebody that fits in that category. We know somebody, if it's not your own story, we know somebody who is struggling that we care deeply about, that we're worried about. We can't sleep because we know the doctor's report is coming soon. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21, 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Abraham and Sarah finally give birth to their son, Isaac. And the Bible tells us that Sarah was 90. And the Bible tells us that Sarah was 90 years old. So if you you grew up going to church, this is a pretty common story. Maybe you've heard this story a number of times before. But let that sink in for a minute. Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. Not even 74 and not like IVF, you know, technology stuff going on. The book of Hebrews actually says Abraham was as good as dead. That tells you how old they were, okay? This is a picture of my grandma. It's taken a few years ago. 
In this picture, she's 93. Okay? Now, when I picture what would it be like for a 90-some-year-old woman to give birth to a child, I think, that's not possible. <laughs> right? But really, the question is not, the question is, is anything too difficult for the Lord? She's not pregnant, don't worry. <laughs> but really, is anything too difficult for the Lord? God fulfilled his promise and gave Abraham a son because with God, all things are possible. But they waited a long time for God to fulfill his promise. How long? They waited 14 years from the time that God initially told Abraham this is what's going to happen to the time that God's promise became fulfilled with Isaac being born. 14 years. 14 years is a really long time. Okay? Hit the rewind button. How old were you 14 years ago? Four, five, six. Think about all the things that have happened in your life over the course of the last 14 years. A lot happens in 14 years. But here's the thing. We don't want to wait 14 years for things. We live in a culture that, honestly, we suck at waiting. Amazon Prime, two-day shipping? Yes, please. That's me. And if it's not there in two days, I'm angry. Delayed shipping for some reason. That's so stupid. It's supposed to be here. You go to line at Panda, and it's gonna have to, you're going to have to wait five minutes. No thank you. Online ordering, right? Or Starbucks. We don't want to wait. In, we don't want to wait in line. We hate waiting for things. Why do we hate waiting for things? Because we want what we want when we want it. But that is not the case with this story here. Because God had a plan. And God had a perfect plan, and his perfect plan involved perfect timing, and it involved a long time of waiting. 14 years. And when I think about that, I think, what was that like? I mean, do you think Abraham and Sarah enjoyed waiting until they were 100 years old to have a baby? Probably not. And what was those 14 years like? Like, okay, did we hear God right? Obviously, they maybe took matters into their own hands for a while and decided to, you know, sleep with Hagar and have Ishmael. And, or their fights within their marriage as they're waiting and getting frustrated? Are they doubting? Are they angry? Are they, are they cursing God and saying, how dare you lie to me? You promised me this and you're not providing? 14 years is a long time to wait. I mean, really, why, why did God have them wait so long? I wonder about that when I read this story. And the truth is, I have no idea. I have no idea why God waited that long for them to have their son Isaac. But I do know this. 
I know that we are still talking about this story thousands of years later. Because when God has a plan and his timing is perfect, the crazy stories usually end up being the best kind of stories. The story is totally different if Abraham and Sarah had a baby when they were 27. It's a totally different story, right? But this story, this waiting and this waiting and this waiting and God saying, I promise I'm going to come through, it's just, a, it's just more powerful to me. It declares God's faithfulness to the world thousands of years later. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather have a story like that than have things go the way I want them to go. I would much rather release the things in my life and say, okay, God, I know what I want and when I want it, but I trust you because if when I trust you, I know that you have a plan for my life and it's going to be way bigger and way better than the way I would have written it myself. So Stacy and I were unable to have our own children biologically. And so while we were in this journey of praying and crying and all of these emotional roller coasters, we finally decided, you know, I think maybe God is calling us to adopt. And that was a really crazy season for us. And we don't have, to go, we don't have time to go into the whole story tonight, but we were just trying to figure it out. Okay, God, is this what your plan is? It's not really what I wanted, but if this is your plan, then we're all in, I guess. And so we filled out the paperwork, kind of you know, begrudgingly, I guess this is what we're doing, waving the white flag. Fill out all the paperwork. And then we sent out this email uh, to like 30 of our closest, you know, family and friends and saying, hey, just want to let you guys know we're in this process. Will you guys just pray with us? Could be three months, could be three years before we're matched with a potential child. Literally, the next day, we got a phone call. And they said, there's a baby that was born yesterday and he needs to go home tomorrow. Are you interested? <laughs> and I pulled a Sarah and I laughed. And I said, can Stacey and I talk about this for 30 minutes? I'll call you back. Stacey and I talked about it for 30 minutes. And we said, we're in. And the next day, we drove to Dearborn and we picked up our son, Jaden, who is now six. It was literally 24 hours from the moment I got the first phone call to the moment I'm holding him for the first time the next day. And it was in that exact moment that I'm holding Jaden for the first time, Stacy and I looked at each other and we were saying, this is it. This is totally what God had for us. And this is not what we wanted, but it's way better than we could have written ourselves. And in this moment, we were like, this is who we are, and this is what we are called. We don't even want to try to have our own kids anymore. Because this, we know, is what God's plan is for us. God's perfect plan and his perfect timing are always a better story. I think that was true with Abraham and Sarah and their son Isaac. 
And I think that would be true for you as well. So when you are waiting or longing for something, whatever that is, waiting for friends, community, waiting for direction, waiting for the right job, waiting for the spouse to come along, and maybe a few years from now or even a few years from a few years from now, you're hoping for a baby. Do you trust God's plan? Do you trust his timing? Fast forward 14 years from now, you're in your 30s. It's hard to think about, right? I'm just trying to get through tomorrow. (laughs) Amen? But fast forward 14 years from now, you're in your 30s. And what if something goes on in your life when you're in your 30s and it's not the way you would have written it? Then what? Get mad? Yell at God and say he's doing it wrong? Or do you say somehow, some way, God, this is not the way I would have written it. But I trust that you have a better plan for my life. In these moments or in these seasons, whether it's today, whether it's this week, or whether it's 14 years from now, when things are not going the way we want them to go, when something's hard or frustrating or just really, really confusing, may we keep asking the question, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Because I think the crazy stories are the best stories. Please pray with me. God, thank you for your faithfulness in Abraham and Sarah's lives. Thank you for the way that you spoke to them thousands of years ago. Thank you for having a plan for their lives. And thank you for being a God who comes through with your promises. A God that we can trust. A God that we can depend on. A God who is so big and so strong that there is nothing that is impossible for you. And so God, I just pray for these friends in this room tonight. God, whatever it is, whatever it is that they're they're carrying, things that they're worried about or anxious about, whether it's something in their own life or for a friend or a family member, God, I pray that you will give them peace because you can give us peace in the midst of crazy circumstances. I pray that you will. You will help us to know how to pray. I pray, God, that you will increase our faith. Believing that you might even have crazy stories for us. And it's not just for the person next to us as we pray for big things. 
Is anything too difficult for the Lord? God, we celebrate your faithfulness. For Isaac's story, for Jaden's story, for Zach, who shared his story tonight. You are good and you have a plan for our lives. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And as we look back and we reflect on these stories, God, I pray that you will help us to see you and your plan for our lives as we reflect on our own story. God, we pray that you will speak to us in specific ways and that you help us to follow in your footsteps and really trust you in the midst of difficult or trying times. We pray all these things in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, who's the reason we gather together tonight. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us?